Hi, welcome back to Comics Unscripted um, podcast from Foreign Press Comics. Today we have uh, Philip Myra. He's here to talk about uh, his upcoming Kickstarter. But um, first, how you doing, Philip? I'm doing great. How you doing? A uh, little bit of all right. You know, um, it's it's been a pretty good day so far. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. I have um, a lot of que- I have a lot of questions. I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but um, yeah, I had a good time uh, yesterday. I, I'd skimmed through the um, the PDFs you'd sent me before of the books, and and I I'd, I'd skimmed through them, and then yesterday, like I don't tell my boss, but during my plan time at work, I took a minute and I just, I read through them and I was like, Oh, then like, I, I, I just read through them all. And so I like, I generated a lot of stuff. Hopefully it'll be something interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, I really like what you're doing. Um, so I guess to start off, it's, it's called crackle. It's on its third volume. It's by the time this comes out it'll have launched on Kickstarter, I think three days before on October 5th, and it's going to go to November 6th. But um, yeah. So do you want to kind of explain because I don't know. It's, I mean, it's an anthology. That, I mean, I'll go ahead and explain because there's not. I want to hear what you how you how you describe it. Sure. So, um, I wanted to. I don't see how far back we can go, but like I've always told stories in some form or fashion, and it was in college I, I started getting more into comics and getting getting into like a lot of the Vertigos. So Sandman was. A, you know obviously a big one why the last man was just hooked me and it was it's still one of my favorite comics but i was just reading comics that were more geared toward people my age and like my demographic so um so it's I, I've, it's hard to describe but like you you do something enough times like it, and you want to be a part of it you see enough professionally so like if you if you're obsessed with baseball, you're gonna want to do like a pickup softball game or like same thing with basketball. If you if you if you're just obsessed with the NBA and March Madness, you're gonna go to your local like your local gym and do some pickup games. If not, you're gonna sit around and watch other do, people do pickup games. It's just the environment. There's something there, and you want to be part of that environment. So, um, I had a short story that I wrote. Uh, I'm not a writer by any chance, or not not through um, my college years or anything, but it was mm. writing is always something that I've enjoyed. And I had a loose idea of a short story, and um, I don't, there was no inciting incident. I was just like, well, let me see if I can write a comic script. Because at that point, I was constantly going to the library, uh, getting comics. Uh, I was, I'm lucky I'm from Chicago, which has a very robust, and they, they get indie books, they get Kickstarter books. I've been very lucky that I can pretty much get whatever book I want um, as long as no one else has it checked out. But um, yeah, so then I, I attempted to do that. I did a five page short story when I was doing research. It was just to start small, do not go through magnum opus. So I tried doing, I think I tried doing a three page story, but then I expanded to five pages Um just because it needed to be. I figured this is my brain without realizing. I was like, all right, well, three pages. It would be beginning, middle, end. And then when when you're writing it out, you're like, yeah, stories aren't formulaic like that. Just Mm -hmm. do what you need to do and then then trim if need possible to make everything clear, clear, you know, increase the clarity. So uh, I wrote that short story and I kind of 
it took me about two months or another one. I wrote another five pager. And then I was like, all right, well, what's the next step? I wrote these two comic scripts and they were comic scripts because I was, I was and very fortunate enough. Um, the resources are out there. I think Comics Experience has professional comic scripts um, of books that I, I had in my collection. So I was able to compare. And there's been, there's a couple other resources that I was able to just basic Google. And yeah, so I said the first two scripts. And like I said, that took me, the first one took me a month and a half. The second one took me about two months. Uh, and this, these were just side projects, hobbies type of thing. And then the next step was to find artists. And so I, I looked at the comic book collab subreddit, which was good. And at that time it was Inktober. And, uh, you know, people from all over the world are posting their art. And they might not be comic artists, they might just be illustrators, but some of them might be comic artists. So I ended up finding Hannah Wenzel. She's a German artist based off of one of her Inktober sketches. And from there, um, I looked at her profile and her portfolio. And she had a couple comics work. And so I reached out to her about her, A, her veil, like I, I knew early on as far as like a writer, like if you're approaching an artist cold, you should, you should have some basic information in your emails. Like one is, what is your availability? What is your page rate? Um, here's the full script that I wrote. So, it, you know, you can tell the tone and if, if it's a project that you're actually interested in. So that way I wasn't, you know, I wasn't giving her basic email. I was saying like, like almost like a business proposal, like, you know, I, I value your time. And so I want to know uh, these basic information so we can get the project going quicker. And she, she was able to find time. And, uh, and yeah, and then I, I learned through the process. I kept saying like, I'm new at this. Um, and she, she had previous comic work and we made a five-page story and it worked great. That was the first story that's in the first volume of Crackle. And, and then I just found another artist for the second story. And then I wrote another script. And then I just kept going on and, and the dominoes and the snowball effect happens. So the long, the long uh, answer to the question is Crackle is the anthology of all the short stories that I write. And they're spaced out pretty much annually. So Crackle One is about one year to uh, 60 months worth or 18 months worth of, of just my first year as a comic creator. And number two is a little bit longer. Um, that one that one released in the very middle of the pandemic. And this third one, uh, this Crackle Volume 3, which will be, like I said, live on Kickstarter now, is is my year three going to year four of being a comic creator. And I mean, I, I think I'm getting better. Like the first, this newest book is Crackle 3 that's, that's being put out is larger than one and two combined. So I'm just keep expanding and I keep working with highly talented creators that I'm, I'm beyond, beyond excited for. And yeah, this, this journey's just starting, starting. I'm just, I love creating comics and, um, and yeah, I just, 
I just can't wait to show everyone the stuff that we've been working on for the last year and a half or so a year. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize, I guess I hadn't looked at the, you know, the dates or anything and hadn't realized that um, it was, you know, just one, that each one was one year, but it's honestly, it's really impressive to have, to have that much done, not to, for uh, several reasons to have that like much, that much quantity of work done. Um, but also just to have three published volumes. Did you did you kickstart? I you kickstart all three of them. So the first two were self-published out of my own pocket. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't have any hobbies. I'm not a sports guy. Um, I don't I don't drink that much, and so like, I don't have any like hot. I really don't. So mm-hmm. I don't have like a surplus of cash either, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I had money and savings and I was, um, my late twenties, uh, I'm in my early thirties now, like I'm, I've, I've not aged that much, but, uh, so yeah, so I had the funds. I recently kickstarted reprints cause I was running low. The print runs were, were low, um, for the first two books. And so I, I figured let's kickstart it get people excited for volume three because I knew volume three was was going to come at the end of the year. And so, yeah, I was able to kickstart uh, from recollection. I think it was in August. It was like July or August. And all the books, all the books look great. And for these new editions, for the Crackle volume one and two, uh, to differentiate them from the, kick, the Kickstarter versions versus the ones that I previously had, and all new art done. So I know you, Kyla, you were looking at it. So all the title cards have individual art from from the artists involved. So they try to give them, try to give the Kickstarter people an enhanced version for the same price. So uh, so yeah, so everyone, so that worked out fantastic. I had 200 plus backers. Most of them had no idea who I am and just thought the projects looked really cool in all the preview pages. And then I was it early last week I sent out the last of the international packages all the domestic ones yeah er, like before I sent out all the the international ones everyone that ordered domestically physically had them at their house I looked at all the tracking numbers and then yeah so just next one's live right now and yeah just I I can't stop saying I'm just really excited to show everyone these stories yeah I mean that's there's a lot of things that you just said that are really impressive. One of which is the fact that you ran two Kickstarters that close together. That's I, I'm not, no offense. That sounds stupid, <laughs> but um, I've run two and I've not succeeded at either one of them, but having just running two back to back, I, the energy, like I said, I know you don't have hobbies. You said you don't have hobbies, but still like the energy that that requires is like, that's, that's a lot of like work. And like, it's just, like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't do that much outside of, you know, work on comics, go to work and I go to the gym, but like, that's, I mean, I, you know, every once in a while I'll do something on a weekend, but I mean, running a Kickstarter took a lot out of me. So like, I can't imagine doing two that close together. That's insane. But I, something that you, you touched on a little bit that I think does a lot to um, uh, maybe to, uh, it, um, to Im- increase your credibility is um surrounding yourself with such good creators and that's not to put you down in any way that's just because i i'm I'm like i like i said i don't mean to put you down but 
anyone starting out, especially if these are like, you know, if you're that new into comics, it's, it's going to be a little rough. My stuff's rough. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mean that in any way negative, but those people are lifting you up so much. Like the quality of the art and the work in there is so good. It is such good. The writing's amazing too. Like there's several that I wrote that I'll get to later when we get into more of the actual stuff that I think is really good. But um, I just think it's really great that you surround yourself with such good creators. Like, cause you know, to build that, you have to surround yourself with great people. Yeah. I mean, comics is, it's been said many times, but it still needs to be said. Like comics is a collaborative effort. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a small team. Like it's a team and you have to trust, trust all your creative team. I, I don't, I think a lot of the old mentality that I've, that you kind of hear about from the old guard where the writer is king, the artist should, the artist should do a one-to-one interpretation of what, what is in the script. And that just, it doesn't make sense. I know a lot, a lot of the creators that I know and that I respect that are, are my, um, or that are my peers that, that we are an equal standing in our careers. We're, we all think the same way. Like we trust our artists, like in my scripts, in my scripts and the emails, the constant back and forth with the artists that I collaborate with, let's think it's, I collaborate with them. I don't, I don't work with them. We, we collaborate. We're, we're both creating something together. But I constantly just say experiment. Like if, if I can get any advice for young writers, because usually the person that's the writer is usually the editor and project manager or however you want to put it, you're putting the team together. Like trust, trust your, your, your creative team and just t- constantly tell them, experiment, break things, do weird things, do weird panel borders or have the colorist try something. And more importantly, ask, ask your creative team what they want to do. Like if, if you have a vague idea of like a setting or just like a character, like, I mean, characters, you can just ask your, ask your artists, like, what do they want to draw? What do they want to create? And just incorporate that into the script. I mean, like I said, you just have to trust and it's going to be fantastic. The, the, the artists make me look way a lot, way more intelligent than I, so like I said, they make me look way more intelligent. I can't even sound intelligent. <laughs> but, like, you're fine. but yeah, they, you're going to get the better product. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say product because that sounds, that sounds way too commercial, but you're going to get the best story possible. And we always say like, Oh, and the going back and forth, like whatever is going to excite the reader. It's all about the reader's experience. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm 100% the same way in that everything I've ever written for another artist, when it comes back, I'm like, that's better than I ever thought it would be. Like they're taking what I do and making it better. So they're, you're right. That old mentality of the artist is the writer's king is, I think, it needs to change. I understand why it's still there because the writer is still managing so much of it, but there needs that emphasis on artists is not the same way that it is. Like even in commercial comics, like we don't, when like things that like Marvel and DC, like we hear that people make a big deal when like right now or, you know, last month or whatever, James Tynion's leaving leave left batman and everyone's like freaking out and that's a writer but no one's mentioned whether or not what's happening with the artist and that's just that's always happened like people freaked out when mike brian michael bendis went to dc and like 
the writer's the one that we look at. But in my opinion, the artist is the one who's like, I think that you could have a Brian Michael Bendis story that we don't like as much because I had a crap artist, you know, and I'm not singing his praises or putting him back. I honestly I don't, don't know how much of his work that I've read besides Ultimate Spider-Man. But uh, my point was just that the artist is doing so much at every level. But that's one of the questions I had was how much freedom are you giving them? So are you like, so there's a lot of artistic freedom there. They're, they're getting to do a lot of their, what they want to do. Yeah, it's near absolute. Um, I mean, I'll give you two, two examples. Uh, the main one is I keep in, in the scripts. And like I said, I, I, I'm always looking to work with, um, I got to stop saying those dirty words. I'm always looking to collaborate with, um, with more artists and I'm and whenever I do I I usually finish a script and then just post it on Twitter usually create uh, I think Stephanie Cook runs it it's creator advisor um, usually boosts it my friends usually boost it and I get cold submissions from artists looking at their portfolio and the last three that I've done have been fantastic so whenever I'm you know whenever I'm communicating for the first time with new artists, I tell them like, here's the script, like the character, like there is no specifics on the characters. Draw, draw as you see fit as far as race goes, height, weight. A lot of the times I just have, sometimes in my script, I just have person. I don't have a name. Like you can choo choose the gender, um, you choose the, I mean, going down the line, you choose their, their outfits, and, the, and we just go from the character sketches like that because I trust the artist and it's also like, I don't, you know, I want a diverse, a diverse comic with diverse characters. And then the second story is uh, this recent one. I, I was, it's, it's almost done, but um, I, I did a sequel. I wrote a sequel to Toulouse, the very first story I ever wrote. And Hannah, Hannah was very busy. She, uh, she, she drew like two, she's, she's German. So mm -hmm. uh, she, she drew, drew two books for the German market. They're utterly fantastic. I was able to actually get my hands on them. They have not, they have not been translated yet. Um, but so like now she's like a professional comic, yeah. respected comic book person in Germany. Um, but we, she just finished um, the story to, to loose the sequel it's called uh, loops at a spool and uh, the script is nine pages and she knows that we trust each other this is our third project together um, and she's like well I I she said storyboard so she thumbnailed them and she's like it's gonna be 17 pages and I'm like that's that's fine with me because I know she's going to take the parts that maybe I, that needs some, some, some slowing down parts. And sure enough, when I got the first thumbnails, I'm like, Oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good beats of a lot of silent panels, a lot of reaction panels that, that are needed that help express it. Cause most of my stories um, are people, they're, they're slice of life kind of drama. Uh, I do a lot, a lot of magical realism, um, so like fantasy stuff that makes like the stuff that doesn't make sense, makes sense. And the stuff that makes sense, doesn't make sense. I always like the weirdness of magical realism, but a lot of the stuff I do is 
people talking in rooms, a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. So, so those character beats were definitely needed. Um, so they, yeah, th- that got finished two days ago as, as of recording it's, it'll be completely done by the yeah. time this, this podcast comes out on the Kickstarter's live. And you'll probably, you can probably go see at this point, the, uh, the pictures on the Kickstarter page, but yeah, the, the letter has them right now. Um, and it's just, it's just complete trust. And there's, there's, there's the the first three pages are completely silent and there's a couple other portions that are completely silent and you get trust trust the artist and it's gonna they're gonna hit that emotional beats if the emotion's there in the script the the the, the artists are going to increase and elevate that emotion even if it is quote-unquote silent panels yeah well and that's that's one of the questions that i um had was that well uh, several parts like one of the stories that you had that i read in for volume three was nine pages and that was the longest one you had so far but it sounds like you have one even longer than that and i was gonna ask why but and then on top of that like in um i think it's volume one you had um in the poly story polyrhythm it's just all Mm -hmm. double page spreads and that was different and i was gonna ask why and see if that was you but obviously that's that's not and i i really liked it I like that you're not only giving them like input on um, and that's something else I didn't realize was the diversity of it, because I, I don't know. I just assumed it was all intentional that you had something to do with it. But I mean, it's all it's all them like putting that in. That's just it speaks a lot to that collaborative process between the two. But um, one of the really on, on that, one of the stories that I wanted to mention that was really um, I thought was a really unique take, which. And this one, I want to see how much you had to do, but because um, I feel like you had more involved in this one, but then just letting the artist do this whole thing, but was um, Gutters mm-hmm. by um, Kishan Mohan and Aditya Bidikar. Yeah. I'm sorry if I butchered your names. I'm so sorry. Um, but it's really good the way it uses the medium and the, the comic gutters and everything like that. It's so like, was that you or was that like, that was intentional, I assume. Yeah. Um... So that that story branched off. I mean, to be, to back up a little bit, as mentioned about Inktober, as most most people probably know about it. There's the next month over in November has something called Nano Remo, which which stands for National Novel Writing Month. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I'm not going to write a novel because that sounds very hard. So yeah. instead, I had the idea of doing. Um, for the month of November, like a picture is worth a thousand words. So I took that as literal. So I found a website that'll give me a random picture. And um, the, the, the thing was I could, I'd have to choose one of the first five pictures that I see. And then I'd have to make that a panel in the story. Um, and so during, during that November, uh, I was, <laughs> I remember I was uh, at the time was living if, if you're familiar with Chicago, I was living um, in the Gold Coast area or like uh, Old Town area. And so I was at I was at the Starbucks that's right below Second City because that's the, it's 24 hours. And so I walk there and I used to just stay there and write and read. And, and and yeah, so I remember writing that script. Uh, I forget what the, the initial pa- the initial picture is with that panel. But yeah, I, I structured it as such. Um, the, the, 
the script itself is very much kind of what you see visually uh, as far as structural goes, as far as the gutters on the left, the gutters on on the right, and then the gutters are all around him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it's just, it's working with, like as soon as I wrote it, I, I worked with Kishore beforehand with head, Kishore and Aditya with Head Above Water. And as soon as I wrote it, I'm like, I'm, this is perfect for his art. But yeah, it's, it's, I knew that Kishore would work perfectly. And with that story, um, this thing like this is the second thing I worked with Kishore, and in the in the story there's there's two characters there's there's the homeless man, and then there's I put college student in the th- in the script, and Kishore's like he's like do you mind if I make the character Indian? You just have college. So I'm like yeah, make the guy Indian. Yeah, draw 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 what your your culture is, and. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, Kishore and, and Aditya are both in India, and so so yeah, so they put their their flavor on everything. But in the script, I had the homeless man's name is Joseph, and then the um, the college student as college student, and he he's like, hey, do you mind if I also name this guy Karan? And I said, yeah, that's that's fine. Because uh, there's a part that at the very end of the dialogue, it's they they exchange names. He's like, well, a good friend of mine about two years ago killed himself, and his name was Karan Joseph. Wow. And and he's like, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to name the characters after him because he already named one Joseph. So that's why, um, if you see that in the title page before that, it says in memory of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but as far as going back to like visual freedom. Um, the structure I can write structurally like leave this much white space leave this like leave one third white space to left and the next panel leave one third white space to the right but he's gonna be he's gonna be the one that's populating all everything else making everything cohesive and I know that one especially is one of my favorites I, I um, you know small plug here where you can buy that one in a, in a blow up poster for during the Kickstarter campaign because um, I wanted that for myself and I blew it up into a poster and I really liked it. And then I had relatives like, Hey, I like that. Can I have that? I'm like, no, it's one of a kind. And so then I had to go, <laughs> I had to go to the printer and go make some more. And then I was able to, you know, I would bring them to con season when cons were a thing. Uh, but yeah, so I saw about six or seven of those left. Um, mm. but yeah, it's just a visually striking um store and i just it's it's a beautiful one page that i like i said i can't i can't thank enough kishore and and especially even a day of the letter mm-hmm. he did a phenomenal job and he had different revisions and i mean a day is up for a, he's, a, he's up for an eisner this year and a ringo so wow <laughs> um wow um i forgot what i was gonna say um well, I, just something that just came to me. This is one of the questions I had, but I mean, are you, as far as color goes, are you looking for a colors for, do you, do you have in mind whether you want it to be in color? Or is that also up to the artist? That's usually up to the artist. Um, most of the time it is for color. Um, so going back to the very first story that we did, mm-hmm. and I were doing Toulouse. So Toulouse is in black and white. Um, and like it, like I said, it wasn't 
it wasn't a price thing. It wasn't like, I know this will be cheaper, so let's do it in black and white. The story, we, we did four different color palettes and it just didn't hit as well. It just didn't hit as strong. And Hannah is a very traditional artist as far as ink on paper. And her lines are just so detailed. So we're like, why are we, why are we remove, why are we just doing this? And I was, I'm smart enough, even on my first store to realize, you know, trust the artist and just make like, they're, they put all this heart and time and into, like I said, into these, these lines on paper, you might as well just enhance them as best you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was curious because it. I just want to know whether you what you intended, but um, yeah, that I that first story did um, stick out. Um, but to go back to something you said about um, the po well, I mean, I guess I don't really have a question. I just wanted to compliment the um, the posters. I really like that idea when I was looking at the Kickstarter page because um, I got to look at it early because I'm special. Um, yeah. I like the the I like that idea of taking you know one page stories and blowing them up to um, I, don't, I don't know how big, but you, just to blow them up to have a poster of just that one stories that I thought was a really interesting idea. Um, and the only other thing that I other only, only other comment I really had about the actual Kickstarter was um, um, and I guess I'm kind of asking for my own interest personally and just because I, I think it might be interesting someone else might want to hear as well. Um, you have a you have a, your list of retailers on there yeah. and you're um, you know so like I mean how have you how have you made that work or how have you made that happen like getting that wide of a list of retailers who are like in like I don't know um, supportive enough to maintain uh, that I guess relationship yeah I mean I can tell you I can tell you the easy well uh, as much as I'm in Chicago Chicago has a vibrant um, comic scene even right now our contemporary art museum has a Chicago comics um, exhibit which ends in a couple of weeks I really need to go to that but uh, so I just went to all the Chicago comics a decent amount of them have consignment um, and then when I had, as mentioned, volume, Crackle Volume 2 was completed and printed during the middle of the pandemic. And, you know, I, you only have so much reach on the digital platform, but I, I know to get to having great communication with different shops is, is vital to get to getting new fans. Mm -hmm. So what I did, uh, I mean, I'm, I've fully admit this because whoever has to do this next is, is a lot of manual labor. Uh, TKO has a list of all the real t uh, retailers that carry their books. And so I went to TKO's website and I went to it and all they do is tell you the retailer's mm -hmm. name. So I had to go to each one's, I don't know, each one's website. Um, fun fact, if anyone needs to help snooping uh usually email addresses are linked to facebook accounts so you can usually find someone's uh a retailer's email address through their about page on their facebook if you can't find it anywhere but yeah so it's just constant like going through this huge list mm -hmm. and i mean there's a pandemic so there, there was time time to be had so uh, but that's another thing. I just felt like garbage because this was around the, 
this was shortly after Diamond started shipping again. I'm asking these these places that I know are struggling, hey, would you take a chance on the indie book? So in my in my cold email to these these shops, I was very apologetic. Like I know times are tough, but you know if you think your um, if you if you think your customers would enjoy these stories, same thing. Like here's the PDFs, here's the size, here's the estimated price point. Um, you know, I'll, here's, I'm giving you a reduced price because I'm having it wholesale. Um, and yeah, it, I sent out at least 200 because after I, after I exhausted TKOs, um, I basically just went and like looked at large states or like, I went to like, um, a, a map, like I, th- I either use, I'm just trying. I think I just used Apple Maps. I was gonna say I used Bing Maps, but that sounds ridiculous. So I used Apple Maps and like looked around and, and typed the word comic shop and just kind of floated around each state. And I just did a state until like I found someone that it was new and then I'd write down, give a track of who so I wasn't contacting everyone. But yeah, it's just a lot of lot of time and, and hard detail. But through all that, I'd say I'd say one out of twenty. So, so that's 5%. I'd say like maybe 5% of them got back to me and, you know, maybe, maybe like two of those would actually say yes. Mm. Because like I said, it was just a timing thing, but also like I have a niche book, but like through that, I had huge things. So the ones it's like with anything, like once you find your people, they're your people. Mm. And the, Whenever I sent them a couple of times, I sent them out. Um, uh, I know Emerald, Emerald City in Clearwater, Florida. They they posted it like, "Hey, we got this book. We really like it." And I've given them, I think, three or four different shipments. They just keep selling out whenever they talk about it. Um, and there's fair fanfare. Uh, I think it's just called Fanfare Comics in Kalamazoo. And same thing, they, you know. They got I'm like, oh, we took a chance on it, and then they sell out the, the nearest new comic book day, and I got to send in some a couple more. But yeah, it's um, it looks like a lot when you when I have it in a list, but it's but it takes a lot of hard work to build the relationships and trust with um, with comic shops. But on the on the on the side note, um, I, I want to curate that. So one of the things that I was thinking about for this newest kickstarters i always have like um uh like a retailer tier so the retailers if so if you're new to crackle you can get on you can get all the books and but i was trying to figure out a way to support the retailers that previous i haven't updated the i've not updated the page yet the page will be updated in live at, by the time that you're listening to this this this, this was uh tomorrow's task but um yeah, the the idea that I wanted to was like, how do I how do I support the people that have been supporting me? And so I was thinking that um, the retailer tier that would just be volume three because all the people that have supported the books since the beginning have volume one and two. They won't they'll get free shipping. So that way, I take a little bit of that financial burden off. Yes, yeah. but I'm always like I said, I'm always interested that that was my 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 thinking but i'm always interested to hear about 
just different ways to, like I said, to support the people that support you, whether that be the, the comic shops or the actual people that, that are taking the chance on you, like back in your Kickstarter. That's why I said, I, I, I on my own pocket paid all these artists to do new art, but it kept the same price point um, for, for the backers. Like it just, you want to get the best experience, but like I said, you want, you want to know people, you want to have that one-on-one connection with people because we are just people and we're just trying to tell each other stories. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds like that's a lot of, um, a lot of footwork, you know, a lot of, a lot of effort to put into. And I mean, I, I tried that for my last Kickstarter. And I mean, I can probably, I probably would, I mean, from what, from the little bit I did, you said you sent out over 200. I only sent out like 35, I, I th- probably like 27 or so emails and like, probably another, you know, eight or nine, um, contact forms through websites and stuff. Um, but overall, I'd say, I think I only had like one, um, I think I might've had two respond, but I only had one actually back the project. And so, you know, that's that, that vibes with about your 20% somewhere in there, right? Just a little lower, but that's just, or five, whatever you said, that 5%. One yeah. Percent. About 5% response. Yeah. And yeah that does. Yeah. So I was gonna say that, that's probably up. about similar ish to what you, had so I mean just to put my two cents in there um but no it just sounds like a lot of footwork because and I mean like the the looking at TKOs was a um that's you know that's smart little little life hack little cheat um which I like I appreciate that I appreciate a good um uh workaround uh but I mean like I said it's just it's just a lot of footwork like 200 emails is a lot and I mean those are all like individual emails and not like like mass like BCCs or anything no, those were personalized. That's I try to, I try to get, I try to get the, you know, whoever the owner, cause you know, these are all small businesses. So I try yeah. to look on all their, their social media platforms and, and either get the owner or the owner's names or some, some key staff. And, and yeah. And then in the email, I would put the name of the actual store. Um, and so, yeah, I tried making it as personal as possible. Like if there's something that was curious, cause I'm going to say it again. I'm from Chicago. And, uh, you know, if, if I saw, if I saw some people wearing Cubs gear, I mentioned that in the, you know, it's one of those things. Cubs are loved everywhere in the country. Yeah. So whenever I saw some people wearing Cubs stuff, um, yeah, I, I would, I'd mention that in the email because it's just that one-on-one personal connection. I mean, if you're going to cold email someone, try to make it as personal as possible. Cause if not, if not, you're wasting both your time because no one wants to read and just feel like they're they're one of many. And also in the same sense, that means you, you as the creator and person reaching out, it seems like you don't care enough. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely, that's something I probably should have done better. So I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about that. But um, so to go back to the, um, the actual content of these books, um, uh, first, I mean, obviously not first, but Something I meant to ask earlier and I didn't. What, what, how, how'd you come up with that title? Like, what's is that just for fun? Like, what's what's that? Yeah. So uh, my idea was, uh, I think this is. I'm trying to think, who's who's the dude that did Savage Dragon? Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Yeah, I think it was around this time. He he was like, uh, he did a tweet saying like your title should match what. Um, you know, should match what you're you're doing. Like you shouldn't do obscure titles to for your stories. 
So I was thinking like, I, I need something that's kind of current, kind of um, comic booky. And so I wanted, so I came, I forget how I came across that, but it's just, I like the two hard C's of crackle and like that little R type of rolling, but also it's like an onomatopoeia, mm-hmm. it's a verb. And it just, you know, it can be, can be used like in the, the cover of the first volume is like a fire. Um, and so it can be used for that. It can be used for, for, for flames or through like, you know, like fireworks, like it, it has its own meaning and it's easy to remember. And most importantly, when I, when I Googled it, uh, no other comic book has that. So, so that's all that really matters. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's definitely, that's something I need to, you know, that's, I mean, that's just a good way to do it just to check. Cause you know, you always don't want to uh, hit that, but um, like I said, so it's kind of to get back into some of the um, actual story and like the writing. Um, well, before I get into the actual story part. Um, so I, I guess what's your editing process? Because that's the thing is I've gotten more and more into writing comics and more experienced, even though I'm not that experienced. But as I've as I've grown in comics over the cut three or four years that I've been doing it, like and on some level, um, you know, I've over time learned the importance of an editor um, like. Are, who are like is there do you have an editor for this or how is that working i i'm not I just wrote, i'm not trying to like shout you out and like call you out and like saying you're not yeah. editing, like talk, say it's garbage you know what i mean i'm not trying to say anything i'm just curious yeah i i, I have not worked with a designated editor yet mm-hmm. um i just at my at this point i feel that i would it would be more better at for longer stories i'm very eager to work with an editor but but in my um sort of like milestones like working with an editor would mean that i am pursuing like a longer form narrative as you mentioned like most of my stories i have uh at this point the crackle volume three has a lot of nine page stories um and like the 17 page ones but before that uh as we were discussing volume one has has four one page stories that that i i feel are very complete but in the same sense i i think narratively and visually things we can be accomplished um between just the creative team and not needing either but as far as like uh personally create creation uh my first draft is is i always call it long form so i write in a spiral notebook uh i'll show you this is going to make for some really great radio but like uh so like this I'm, right now i'm holding my spiral so yeah. like uh it's usually loose notes mm-hmm. um, about characters or loose pieces of dialogue and then i try to break that up um and almost like bullet point that into um like per page and emotional beats and then from there i can get a guesstimate of the length of the story and then it just kind of even and then i just flip the page and i just go for writing the scripts out by hand and then uh, my second draft is converting that or translating that onto the computer in, in a Word document. And then from there, uh, send it off to a couple friends to beta read. Um, so there is there is an outside external revision or like suggestions. Yeah, there, there's somebody looking at it, which is, that's, I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, that's basically all an editor does. An editor is someone with more experience, but I mean, you're still getting someone to, you're still getting, a, like you said, a beta reader, which is, I, I mean, it's good enough. Yeah, it's very much. 
especially with these with some of these larger ones um there's there's been times where um it, it makes sense but like dialogue the dialogue sounded off or like something mm -hmm. something just didn't make logical sense and that's another thing um that for all all the young writers out there um it's dialogue so you say the words out loud make make sure they make it makes sense and it sounds sounds good if not if something sounds weird when you verbally say it then you know just take the 15 20 minutes just to tweak tweak the words you the words you choose as long as the whatever the plot point or the emotional um you know, the, the emotional resonance is there. It's all that really matters. The word you choose is kind of not really, doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, like the actual wording needs to sound good. As long as it gets the point across and carries the same emotional uh, meaning that you, emotional weight that you want it to, it's fine. It doesn't matter if it, you just could use a different word. It's gonna, you need to use yeah. whatever sounds right the way that we talk, you know, like that's, I mean, that's what they always told us, like, you know, in high school classes, they're always like, make sure you read your stories out, read your paper out loud. I never did it, but yeah. now I do it more. And cause like you said, that di doing it with dialogue is especially important because it's, it's how we, um, how we read and how we talk. Um, but you did, you mentioned like working on longer form things, like, do you write? do you mostly stick to shorts now? Is this like pretty much all you do? Or do you have like longer form, like full issue or multiple issue things that you do or work on or? Yeah, so like I'm, I'm slowly starting to build. Um, the last the last four of my scripts were all nine pagers. Uh, and like I said, Hannah expanded that one visually to 17, one of those, um, but at this point, I think I'm ready to, to go a little deeper in the pool. And I, I'm not, I don't want to do, I think I might go a little bit too deep, but I'm not going to do like a one shot because I think at least for personally me, I've never found like a, a good, like 24, 20, you know, eight page one shot that I was, that I felt that was good. Like I've, I've read single issues but of an ongoing, like of an ongoing story. So I already knew the characters and it wasn't fresh. So I think I'm just going to do something like, uh, like a perfect, like a small, perfect bound. Like I, I have a loose tangle of ideas, some more form than other mm -hmm. and seems more form than other, but it'd be most likely like an 80 page, 80 page, 60, mid sixties to 80 page story. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, no, no artists in mind, but at, like I said, at this point, it's just, I know, I know emotionally where I want the story to go and that will guide me throughout the thing. I just need to sit down because um, I, I got, I have an, I'm in the very early stages. I, I have an idea for another Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Uh, early 2022. I'm thinking about putting, I think I might put my big boy pants on and um, do an anthology where um, me, myself, and another creator curate and invite friends in type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, instead of, um, well, I should say, I don't think we, we've hit that point yet, but yeah, all the stories within the three Crackle books are all written by myself and all the creative teams are, most for most part, all the creative teams are different. So I, 
So all the artists and letters and colorists are all different. Yeah. But like I said, that it's it's untypical um, to have, um, I guess, anthologies like that, where it's usually mm-hmm. one usually one driving force. Um, but like I said, I, I feel yeah. like I want to. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see what my energy level's like and and how I can you know get everything working because that's a huge beast. Um, you know, I have to figure out. Uh, uh, a book format that I haven't messed around with yet. I want like a larger book and then also get adequate page rates. How do I, how do I budget that? And then, and then, yeah. And then actually curating the anthology and yeah. So that, that's, that's the pipe dream and the pipe dream is aiming for hopefully spring of 2022. So, <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot in really quick succession. Uh, you did kind of, you know, diss one shots when, you know, I ri- I wrote a one shot. I, I, I try to think in one shots. Like that's All where right. I'm kind of at right now, just because I don't think I'm ready for, I still have ideas and like scripts and stuff for like, like, you know, trade length stories or like multiple issue stories. But like, I like, I'm trying to stick to keep myself like one shot length. And then you're like, yeah, one shot's not, I have one, no one shot's really been that good. And I'm like, well, I guess I don't know what to do. No, um, yeah. um but, I haven't read everything. We we yeah. haven't. Well, I haven't read your stuff yet. We you're right. You're right. You're right. I'll I'll send you the PDF. It's it's not great. Um, I've it's one I did like I wrote it and drew it last year, and I wrote it before, two years ago, and I drew it last year and published it last year, and like, like almost immediately after I like, like the prints came back, I was like, this sucks. Like and like I was like, it it wasn't didn't suck. It's just like it didn't hit where I what I wanted it to. So I was like, ah didn't work but um i for another um story that really stood out stood out to me was in volume two um old cookies which ironically um the gutters i mentioned earlier and this and one that i'm going to mention later in the book club uh, were all three by the same people yes um which i don't know like i didn't realize that when i wrote it down I was, I wrote down old cookies and like what my note about it. And then I was writing down the creators and I was like, that's the same. I looked up and yeah, sure enough, it was the same people who did the other one, but I don't know. It just has a brother that one really got to me. But I guess my question about that is that like you have all these stories and they range, there have a lot of different subjects. You know, you have that one that's very, it's about like, you know, a sibling type thing and you have um, uh, Toulouse. Did I get that? Yeah. Yeah. That's about like uh, someone who's in a spouse who's, you know, left. And then you have these stories that um, about cancer and like dealing with um, uh, tragedy and like personal things. You had things like gutters and you have all the, they, the range of topics is so broad. Um, so I, I guess it's a, it's a two part question um, or two part. It's just a, however you want to answer it there. It's very personal like I guess I don't have a question they're very personal stories but um are they how are you like obviously I don't I don't know how much like you've experienced not like asking you any of that but I don't know like they seem to be genuine I guess is my point okay and then are they like I don't know is there what's in your mind is there like a connective tissue or a thread that like runs through all of these um 
I mean, I think you, you're kind of asking, but like, no, um, there aren't really any like auto bio aspects um, like that I'm, that I'm channeling. Like I've, I have, I've had family member with cancer and I've, I've seen it. I've had, um, I am also a brother. I'm the eldest. And Mm -hmm. there was that factor of old cookies of just, of, you know, of protecting each other. Um, but it's mostly just, uh, I, I, it's one of those things I don't know where my ideas come from. Mm-hmm. I, I, can, I might have an idea of like visually and then I just explore from there. And that's the, the initial kernel is I, I, I think, I think visually, um, even though I'm just a writer, uh, and then I build from there and then the characters grow and the scenarios grow. But mostly it's just, uh, I think most of my work has to do with uh, making decisions and sticking by those decisions and seeing the outcome of of those decisions. Well, if I I could just interject real quick, I was going to say that just to go off with what you just said on the surface, I feel like you could look at it and say that it's all about um, tragedy. It's all depression. Yeah. It's all maybe depression might not be the right word, but it's all sadness or grief. I guess it's a better word because, like I said, you have dead pets, you have um, dead parents, and that sibling relationship. You have um, spouses who've left. You have um, parents and impending end of the world situations. Like yeah. it's all. I don't. I, I don't know. You can continue now. I just want to say, on the surface, it does have that. It seems like it's just this is all sad and depressing. Yeah, it seems like it. It's 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 like I've, I've talked about this with my wife and other creators, but like all the through line of like all my work, it just seems like it is death and like just like in positive and, and negative. Like in the volume three, like a positive version is like the one character is dead, but she's a ghost. She's mm-hmm. with her sister. Um, the there's a very um, interesting story that's in volume three where a young a young boy dies um and i like i i don't have a morbid sense as you've read it like it's not morbid mm-hmm, it's exactly. more like a reflection um yeah like in the volume one head above waters as you you allude to the man's going through cancer treatment and sometimes it's you know he's reflecting on his whole journey so far and there's parts that have been good and he's been in remission and there's parts where he came back and it's been, you know, it's been hard and he's been dealing with it um, in most likely unhealthy way. But like I said, it's reflection, reflection on death. But yeah, well, I don't know where it is. Um, like I said, I, I would just think it's some type of um, survivor's guilt. I have my, both my siblings have pretty bad health issues. My brother's epileptic and my sister has had uh, cancer on and off for most of her life. Um, my dad's had multiple heart attacks. My mom's a heavy smoker. Um, so I, I, I wonder if I'm the healthy one and that's my, this is my outlet hmm. to reflect internal things. But in this, in the same sense, like I said, as the stories are, they're not, they're not morbid. And they're not all about death, like not every yeah. single one of them is. But the ones that, that are, 
it's not like this looming fear or this this almost like punchline. It's just more like this is the thing that characters are dealing with. Mm-hmm. One about their day, or this is something that's been affecting, you know, in fact, not infecting, but, you know, affecting how they, how they live. But does that answer the question? No, it, it does a lot. And I like, I, I want to thank you for like sharing that because, you know, I, it's, I like I said, I, I appreciate when people share uh, things that are very personal to them. But I like, like you said, it's, I guess, or like we both said, like on the surface, that surface level, if you look at a lot of the content, it looks very tragic, but yeah. it's, it's not, it's, it's really more of exploring those characters. And like you said, this just happens to be the situation they're in. It's how they react. Um, and like you said, a lot of them react in different ways and they all deal with it um, differently. Um and I can't remember what the story is called. I didn't write it down, but the one with the cat and the paper uh, folds. Oh, folds, yeah. Yeah, that um, that ends with, I mean, it's 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 sad. It's also a bit of a happy-ish kind of ending. But like, it's, I mean, it's the kids in it aren't like, they don't walk away like super depressed or anything. It's just like, well, that's just the way it is, you know? And yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil that story for you, but um. You did mention uh, you you brought up uh, is it memo from the third yeah. volume? I yes. was very frustrated. I wanted more. I felt like I could have read a. I could have like you're talking about long form. You could turn that into a thing. I would read the. I would read the heck out of it. Yeah. I really. It. I think. I don't know. The art and everything. Like. I feel like you could expand that into a really good. I don't know. Story about fully how they deal with the potential resur- resurrecting or I don't know, whatever, what I don't know. I still don't understand exactly what was happening, which is kind of good, but I, th- I guess that's part of it. I, I think it could have, I genuinely think that could have been a whole thing. Yeah. I so really so that brings up a good point. So, and this is, like I said, advice for young writers out there. Um, none of these stories in the, in any of the books through are pitches. Like these are all complete stories, even the one pagers. And as much as you mentioned, like how much you love Memo, I mean, I tried, I'm getting to that point where I'm trying to fill the world as much as I can. Like I told, that's a complete story, Mm. but I I try to fill the world with enough stuff that you, that you, you can kind of see off into the horizon and know that there's more world out there. Uh, And that's why, um, in, in the character's journey where they're starting off with, um, they're they're almost like in a collect. They have to collect uh, collect some items, and um, they're traveling across across this fantasy world world for it. But I purposely made that story start where they have little less than a third of the stuff that they need, and the journey is still ahead of them. And you you can tell that the characters have have gone through stuff but there's there's quite a lot of journey ahead of them um but yeah i mean i would love i would love to to continue on with that story i was talking with um enrico orlandi who's the artist for that he's, mm-hmm. he's a phenomenal italian artist i was messaging him um actually earlier yeah earlier this week um at the time of recording that uh you know i'd love to play around with those characters more um and he was 
he was very generally just like, yes, he's like, this was, this was a phenomenal experience. Um, and then shouts out to the other collaborators like DC Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, who's also nominated for a letter again this year. Um, he did a, a, a fantastic job. I ended up meeting him at C2E2. Well, we were chatting beforehand, but we, we saw each other at C2E2 uh, in 2020, like two weeks before the pandemic actually happened. And I, I was able to see him in person. I was like, I have this idea. Um, I have a character that stutters and I'm taking it very seriously. Like I want to represent that the best way possible. And then I have a character that's a ghost, but I don't want it to be cheesy at all. And so we talked about those two very distinct uh, lettering challenges that need that, that, you know, we want to take seriously. And, you know, I trusted him and we went back, back and forth and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I think it worked out pretty well. It, it really did. Um, I guess I was just saying, if I was you, I would have kept that one in my back pocket and saved it for later. But um, <laughs> um, the last story question that I want to ask is uh, for volume three. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, I, I'll, I'll ask it and later. I can take it out if you want me to. Um, when did you write the, I think it's in volume three, Connections and Collisions. Is that in the third one? That's in the third one. That's in the next one. When did one. you write that? You wrote that this year, right? You wrote yeah, that this year. Obviously. That, that conversation was too on the nose. I was like, he's had to have written that recently. He had, I guess that was before I realized it was all like each year. But I was like, that was the, the, the denial. The whole thing was, guys, buy the book and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But that was too, it was too, it was too much. And I was like, he had to have written that recently. I knew it. Yeah. But the fun story, I mean, I can... I I want to I want to do what is known as like a pre-apocalypse story. So mm-hmm. like, um, so like the everyone like the end's near, and like either you know pre-apocalypse, like either you the reader know the end's near, and the characters don't, or just everyone involved knows the end's near. And so I want to do that. Um, so uh, I set the story in I think 2072, far into the future. But I just thought it was kind of that was another fun, fun thing. I mean, Cassio was another a person that responded to Cassio. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to butcher his last name, Rubiero. Uh, he's a Brazilian artist. He responded to a, a tweet and with his, uh, with his portfolio and I loved his stuff and he just enhanced the script to no end, especially with his character designs mm-hmm. um, and just filling the world. Uh, his color, he did all the colors. His colors are amazing. Um, anyhow, uh, yeah, so we, we did the story, but I just thought it'd be interesting if, you know, I mean, we can, we can look at books. Like, I just think of like the old Judge Dredd or like all the old Judge Dredd because it is old now. Or like, I think um, Ronin by Frank Miller, like things that we think were f- like when the people that wrote them in the eighties, they thought they're going to go in the far future. And then we read it now. And like the dates are set into like early 2000 and we just roll our eyes of how goofy everyone's dressed and stuff and all that. So I I tried, I was like, all right, well, if I write a story that's way far into the future, like I thought it'd be fun where basically the people like the, the, the 80, the people in their eighties and nineties in the story are, are basically us and like yeah. it's, the main characters are our grandchildren and our great grandchildren. 
So I just thought it, it's just fun playing out, playing with, uh, um, with time. It's, it's a, I would say other than, you know, other than death, time is a huge, playing with time is a huge, um, like focus on my work. Um, like look into the future like that. Um, for those that have read Crackle One and Toulouse, um, there is almost like a montage scene. Um, or there is a montage scene, but it's all happening on one page because it's to reflect the main character's memories. Um, I'm, I'm always just trying to figure out different ways to play with time because the, the, the main thing, the main advantage that um, comics have over mostly any other medium is you, the reader, choose. Y you are the controller of time. You choose to stay on how long you want on a panel. You can choose to stop. Like you just stop on a page and pick it up the next day. You choose the speed and you choose how long things take. Um, so I know you, I think about it all the time, but I'm guessing most readers don't think consciously like the scene, like if you read any book or any comic, the scene that you're, you're reading, you choose how much, how long those people are doing whatever they're doing. If, you know, if they're, if they're saving the world, like it could be to one person, you know, it's a, it's a quick scene and they're just looking at all the action and they're skipping all the dialogue to another person. Everyone's reading the dialogue. So like, you know, to a, a third person, they're looking at every single detail of the background. Like it, it's weird to think that the characters, like you as the reader are experiencing a different story almost than someone else. Um, yeah. I just, I have a couple different tricks like that. Um, uh, one, one's a couple are in Crackle Volume Three. I'm trying to think of a good one. I mean, I guess the one in Crackle Volume Two of that I was uh, uh, clenching fog that I worked with M. Dean with, who's I just can't believe I ever worked with M. Dean. She's one of my favorite artists, and we created such a beautiful story. But um, yeah, there's a couple points in that story specifically where. Uh, there's a splash page and you, the reader, can pretty much choose how fast you want to read that page. If you want to take the time and look at all the details and we try color coding everything because, um, you know, as you do, the, the story has a, a gigantic jellyfish that changes color, like a land jellyfish. So the land jellyfish changes color depending on, depending on like almost like a, like a mood ring. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can follow follow the, the the narrative emotion of the silent page with with the jellyfish or you can just be like all right well this character gets to a to b but if it's, it's like it's one of those things like it's it's how much effort you want to put in and how much do you want to be connected to the to the story and same thing i think on the first page we did we did a flashback in that unique way where it's there's there's text around four panels that almost box them in. And then there's each panel within that box of text is, is its own scene, like its own flashback. So it's like memories within memories. But yeah, it's just, it's like I said, it's just all experimentation between working with, working with artists and, and trying to push yourself and just trying to create 
creating um, interesting page layouts because um, that's another trick that I keep doing is like, I want to keep, I want to attempt to keep readers longer on the page. So I do, I try to push these little tricks or the artist and I try to come up with these little types of um, ways to get the reader more engaged by having their eyes go from left to right and like up and down type of thing. So they can stay on the page longer because I mean, all in all, like these pages take months and months to make between initial thoughts, the script and all the revisions. So we don't want someone just to um, just go through the story super quick and then feel like they got gypped because it's just like boom, 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 bunch of close-ups and then that's it versus, you know, give, give variety, give, you know, give the best enhanced experience you can. So. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess that last part is kind of uh, the best thing to kind of say at this point is just that, I mean, th th this book did make me, I did have to go back and read a couple, like in a, in a good way. I, I wanted to like go back and like grasp that whole thing. And you mentioned like Toulouse and that um, the splash page there and like there's all the photographs i think that's the page you're talking about and i went you know i kind of looked over it the first time and then i was like no no no. i went back and like i looked at the i was looking at the dates and if you look at like what dates and you kind of go in order you can kind of see changes happen and, and that attention to detail and that um that like that um the thought behind that is is a lot and it, it shows that there's a lot of care and um intent being put into think into the these projects which is um, maybe the best thing you can say about it is when there's things like that. Um, and so I guess now we'll take a really quick break and then we will be right back with the book club. And we're back. And today we're going to uh, talk about Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire. Uh, your first suggestion was Why the Last Man, which I wanted to talk about, but I haven't read it and I didn't want to read six volumes in three weeks. So um, <laughs> I've done that before. I did that when I first did the first couple episodes of the podcast not that bad but i read a lot really quickly and um it was just it, it and that was that was during summer when i wasn't working and so now that i'm working i'm like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that i'm sorry but um we did agree on underwater welder which is pretty good it was on my list when i first um had when i started wanting to do a podcast like sometime last year the year before i had a list of books i want to talk about and underwater welder was one of them um I guess, um, uh, first, oh, oh no, I'll get to that later. Um, so, um, why, why Underwater Welder for you? Why do you, do you like, what do you think about it? Like it, love it, hate it? Yeah, I like, this was the second read, second read of it. Um, to me, like, it's hard to realize, but like, he's still, like, I, I'm, uh, I really like Lemire. I, I have a good majority of um, his indie stuff. Uh, full disclosure, I, I don't read any big two stuff. But if if an, if an artist or a writer that I like, um, it's most likely because I've read something indie that they've done. But mm. it's it's um, I forgot. Like I read this uh, three years ago. But this, this book's kind of old. It, it's um, like Top Shelf made it. It's a smaller publisher that usually has does real quality, really good quality work. But Lemire, like reading the afterward, 
this book took them um, a couple of years to make. It says, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, well, I lost it. I think it took them, it took them uh, like two or three years to make. Um, and during that time, he was still working on, um, what's his face, Sweet Tooth. So mm-hmm. that's, that's how old this thing is. Like Sweet Tooth was still an ongoing series because in the back, in the back, he thanks Matt Kent for um, hopping in for him, for Matt Kent to do a couple issues of Sweet Tooth while, uh, while he finishes up this book. And I just read, I just read Sweet Tooth for the first time, um, I don't know, like four months ago. And, and yeah, Matt Kent jumps in like not that far in, like a little bit after the halfway point. He does, he does a fantastic um, s- small story arc that's a, like a, a, like a flashback type of um, recollection. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's weird to think like what, what we know Lemire as now um he you know he is such ahead of him but like all over this book it just says like dc's hottest writer and one of the most prolific canadian uh creators of our time and this is like a first edition um but yeah i mean overall the story story's great it's it's um uh, i'm not sure about you but i i actually do enjoy jeff lemire's art i know for some some people it is just too scratchy um, or the, the faces. Uh, I mean, he, his faces are very distinct, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, I do like his style, um, but here, even, even in its early iteration, you can tell it's clearly him, but like his, I mean, his storytelling is always top notch. So even how to describe this, like in the beginning of the story, I think it's per- there's the first couple pages are like purposely not that detailed, um, not as detailed as some of the like the lines are thicker and a little bit more scratchier because um, it is a dream sequence. But when he wakes up, the, the lines are more more crisp, mm-hmm. uh, the backgrounds are more fulfilled. But yeah, um, even even then, I, I mean, he's still kind of early in his, in his craft, but yeah. I do enjoy it. Uh, it is a nice, cohesive, like thought, um, and it's uh, I don't know. It may, it may it's very uh, approachable as far as narrative goes. It's very mm-hmm. this thing happens or this thing happens because I've I've read Frog Catchers and that's very lucid, very um, dream logic. Um, but yeah, this there's there's some supernatural esque elements, but very much so um yeah i mean it's a it is a great read the vision to me the visuals are fantastic and they hit the hit the points the emotional points when they need to be but like i said his storytelling is always the, the best he, he just knows which angles and what to show what not to show um and even with dialogue the dialogue is always simple something you would hear in a diner it just people talking mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i'm one of those people who is not the biggest jeff lemire art fan um that's that's the reason i didn't read sweet tooth i need to read sweet tooth because i watched the show on netflix and i'm like well now i gotta read the book but because it was that good and i'd always heard good things but that was like the one thing that was just kept putting me off about it and i will say because of 
um, that and the um, some of the because the, this story is kind of weird. I see how it would be off putting to someone. You know, I see why it might. I don't think it's slept on, but I see why it would be. It could be why someone would want to, would choose to not read it. Um, it's I mean, like I said, but I do think for the vibe that this is going for, I think that the art really works because he's really going for it really makes it kind of an eerie, creepy vibe. And I think on a second read, it was almost creepier because kind of knowing what's already happened at the very beginning, you know, he like I'm not going to spoil a lot, but um, in, in the beginning, they talk about how is his dedication to the job and how it's unhealthy and knowing where that comes from and like the reasons behind that now having read it a first time, it like it makes it really, I don't know, feel personal. And like not yeah. personal, but it, I felt it more, and it was I felt a little scarier. But um, I I did want to um, mention that there's the scene where he's um, in the bathtub. Um, I try and I'm going to try not to spoil a lot, but the scene where he's in the bathtub, um, he it reminded me because I was reading it the last couple of days, and it reminded me of um, um, the one in crackle just the one with the the dude the one with the bathtub yes i couldn't i can't remember the title it's a head above the water is that yeah, a head above water there you go yeah but um it reminded me of that because like when he's on, in the bathtub there's kind of a moment of like serenity and it seems like at least in um jack's character and that's kind of it felt similar to head above water to your story um i doubt that was super intentional but um it, it was, I, I thought it was really good. And you did, um, or you were you going to say something? No, I mean, it's just water. I mean, I'm not pulling from anything new, but just yeah, I, yeah. water is, you know, ritualistic. It's baptism. It's during birth. It's, it's always just, it's always cleansing. It's relaxing. You know, mm -hmm. it always feels good to go in the pool after a long day. Like it just, or the bathtub or like a hot bathtub. Like it's just, he puts you at ease, but also just, you know, puts you, I don't know, just, there's just something, I don't want to sound like ancient, but there's just something like very, like yeah. this, is, this is a state of being type of thing. Well, I want to say early, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned, you said you how you weren't intelligent. That right there was smarter than anything <laughs> I've realized, because that makes a lot of sense. And it really makes me like think about this book uh, better, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't finish it the second time. I got like to two-thirds, three-fourths of the way through, and I just, I did not have time to finish it, but I have read it before, but um, um, you did mention the art and how, like, the lines are crisper and stuff. The thing that I noticed that um, I didn't notice the first time or wasn't able to verbalize was um, um, when he's, it's all black and white above ground, but when he's underwater, there's that ink wash, that gray is in yeah. there, and then in the whole I don't know, middle-ish sequence of the book where whatever's happening is the memories or what the sunken city is what I called it. Cause that's what he kind of calls it. Um, that's, that's also in gray. And I just, I noticed that sim that similarity and that attention to detail in the art, I think, especially like I said, the second time knowing what's going on helped to, I don't know, evoke more feeling than I got the first time out of it. Not to say I didn't get anything, but it got more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely knew that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I, I mean, 
as in ours, like I couldn't tell of like were there portions that were just that were done in color and then they just grayscaled it. I don't think so. I think it's all um, ink wash. I believe. I mean, I would assume because I mean, he goes. I don't. I don't. I don't see why that would benefit the book. You know what I mean? To yeah. do color and then add more or take it away. But um, he does. He communicate. He does. I don't know. Lemire just does a good job of communicating these like really human ideas through um, weird ideas. Like I said, that whole sunken city part and how it is. I'm not saying anything new or anything that's not obvious, but how it really relates to um, his feelings, like how what he, the character's going through at the time and how that all um, really ties together. And I mean, the thing about this is just it, the, I, it book, this hurts. Like I, my dad is great, but like, I, I feel this, you know what I mean? Like, and he, yeah. he's just that good of a, I don't know, I guess it's just that good of a, of a creator, but like, I don't know. I just really felt it more than I did the first time. Um, yeah. Especially the scene where he um, throws the watch back into the water. That just, I don't know. That whole thing where he's, his dad's like, no, we can't. He's like, no, we can't. It just, I don't know, really hurt me. But like I said, I don't have any personal experience to base that off of. It's just really just affected me. Um, yeah, I mean, do you have a particular scene or anything that you um, love about the book or any particular thoughts? No, I mean, one thing that was kept going through my mind is the main character, Jack. Um, I think his wife's name is Susie or Susan. Um, and it's, it's, it starts off with, with their, their bond and their relationship. And, you know, they're expecting their, their first child in the very near future in a month or so. But I just keep reflecting, like, when I read this story, I was, when I first read it, I was not married. But now I'm at, now I'm at this stage of life. I'm not a father yet, but it's, it's just, I am reflecting on it more. And, like, to kind of, I know we said not why the last man, but I was just, I think about that story like um, as well. Because when I was, when I first read that story, I, I was York's age. I was, I was, um, you know, 22, 23. And now I'm 32. And so now I'm past the age of York in that story. Um, and it's just like, just, just reflect. And so he keeps talk, keep thinking about time and like the way our perspective changes through time and the, um, you know, the, the experiences that we have and how we see ourselves and characters differently. It's the same story. We're just, we're just experiencing at a different point in our lives yeah it's yeah i mean i think unintentionally this book was a good choice i mean i mean you know because i feel like it really it's and because of a lot of what you just said is you know has a lot of similar vibes to um to crackle and to all the stories that have been in all three volumes that idea of you know it's it's really about the character and the situation that he's put in. Like I could see like that we those weird kind of not off-putting, but those weird um, left of center maybe type. Those just those little off off the wall. I guess the better way to put it. Those we weird little bit of weird off the wall, but also very personal story is that's you know exactly what Underwater Wilder is. 
but it's also a lot of what most of the stories in Crackle are. They're also, I mean, not all of them are weird, but a lot of them are have that little fantasy or surreal supernatural hint to them. But at the end of the day, it's just about the characters. Cause I mean, like one of the things I've been thinking about with the project I'm working on is that um, it's all um, like, it's, it's all just about characters and you put them in different situations. It's still about the characters. The setting is can almost be considered like a backdrop. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not the main things about the character. And so I think that, I mean, that like, like I said, underwater welder and um, your um, anthologies are all very similar in that way. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm comparing you to uh, Jeff Ramirez. So oh, yeah, yeah, you're you're welcome, I guess. But um, no, I mean it's I mean it it, it it's I mean to go back to um to crackle. That's all. They're all really great things, and I mean I think that if you haven't backed yet, you should because they're all. I can't say anything that I haven't has we haven't already said, but it's all very personal stories. Very, um, very. Um, I don't know, just meaningful human stories i guess is the best way to put it because like i said there are there are things that i had, i wanted to go back and look at again to to grasp to appreciate better than i did the through the first read because i do have that tendency to i you know i had that tendency to just want to speed read and go through things and that's why typically anthologies aren't usually my jam i still have read anthologies that i've liked but um you know it just because i want to zip through them and having to go back is a good thing in this case because it means that there is um, uh, more to be said or more to be um, understood. Um, so um, do you have any, any last comments you want to make? No, I think, think that's it. I mean, okay. if you, if you stuck it out this far, um, you, you probably, probably piqued your curiosity. So yeah, just go I, to, I, go to I think so. Kickstarter page. Um, I try to put a decent amount of sample pages. Well, I, I do want to say, I do want to say real quick before we get into the end ending plugs and everything. Uh, okay. I do end um, every pod. I start. I've started ending. It. I started by starting it, and I'm ending it with it because um, someone told me you should end it. Um, Andy, with a, a silly question, uh, uh, just a random question off the top of your head, just to uh, just to end it on a bit of on a just a you know just a not a not like we got too depressing or anything, but just on a happier note. Um, if you could, I'm, I'm going pretty basic today. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Any superpower? Um, I was thinking about this the other day. So, like, I, I think I think about this too often. So, you're fine. Yeah. It's, I think the ability either to give compassion or to give empathy. Cause I think, I think compassion is outward, like, outward action of the same feeling and empathy is like the inwardness of the same thing. So, so mine would be either be able to like give either mass amounts of empathy or mass amounts of compassion. That is a great answer and not one that I expected at all. <laughs> I expected super speed or something like, you know, I, told you, I don't regular. read superhero comics. <laughs> but I don't know. Still, I still expected, I don't know. You said like vertigo and stuff. I was like, okay, maybe it'll be like, dream or something like that Morpheus, morbius you know morpheus there may be something cool something you know but no it's i want to give compassion it's a really good answer it's just not what i expected at all and i was like oh dang that came out of nowhere but it also ties in very well with the crackle of it all and the vibes from that um so 
Um, I guess now, uh, where do you, where can we find you online? Where can we find Crackle to buy previous volumes, to buy the current one? Uh, what do we have to do? Where do we got to go? Yeah. So, I mean, right now, the web store is closed. Uh, as of listening to this, the main place you can get and the only place you can get the Crackle books are through the Kickstarter. Um, the, the one and two, like I said, are complete. Three, three is going to be complete as of as of the airing of this because I'm just tying a couple of bows and and the books are, are basically done. Uh, artists are fully paid. Kickstarter is for printing costs only. Uh, so, like I said, the the goal is the goal is pretty low. It's just to, whatever I can get to that needs to be to print the books and ship them books all across the country. Um, and then, yeah. That's about it. And I'm just going to keep making more stories and chatting with more people. And, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of years ahead of me. Like I said, I'm yeah. relatively young. Uh, and I got, I got plenty of, uh, you know, time and death stories within me. Uh, and then like, as Kyler kind of mentioned, I am kind of crazy. So I will most likely have another Kickstarter you know, six months from now <laughs> in spring of 2022, if, if I can get my crazy large idea um, realized, because I'm really excited for this one, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a hint. Uh, I will be expanding upon a story that's in Crackle Volume 3. I'd like to expand upon a story that's in Crackle Volume 3, but it, it's not Memo. Not no, Memo. Dang it's something that's that's current that you currently do not have access to now because it's oh, still okay. it's it's still almost in production or it's still in production but it'll be done in the next day or two as of as of this recording it'll be completely done by the time you guys are listening to this mm -hmm. but yeah uh, that if all goes according to plan another Kickstarter in spring of 2022 and that one should be that one should be a real fun one and like I, I mean, said and, and a large one too. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you've been able to get the the support for um, to have to be on a third volume of this by now, I think you can probably muster up the support to um, you know do something a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, you can find uh, uh, comics unscripted at uh, with Foreign Press Comics at foreignpresscomics.com at fpresscomics on Twitter, Foreign Press Comics on Instagram. Um, you can find us on uh, on formpresscomics.com. But yeah, uh, that's about it. Um, thanks for coming on, Philip. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. This was yeah. fun. Good, absolutely.